Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host. This is episode 17 of season four. This episode's entitled, What Forgiveness Looks Like. In this episode, we're going to dig a little bit deeper on, this, on the topic of forgiveness. We really want to take a look at what it what forgiveness does look like. And we're going to take a look at it first off from God's perspective and then go on to what it should look like for us in the body of Christ. Now, I will say this too. If you are struggling with forgiveness, whether it's forgiveness with other people, letting things go, or forgiving yourself even, this is going to be an episode I believe is going to be very helpful because we're going to get into some nuts and bolts and even get into those things like, man, what what if I can't forgive someone. How do I deal with that? We're going to I think we've got some stuff that'll help you out. So, let's get in and take a look at what forgiveness looks like for God. And we'll start out with Luke 23 verses 33 through 34. And when they were come into the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and on the other the left. And then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So right off the get-go, we find Jesus is suffering immensely. And yet, what does he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. How many of you can, in the midst of your struggle, or in the midst of pain, or in the midst of suffering, readily forgive someone else? I mean, even to the point where you just simply say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And by the way, a lot of people don't really realize what they're doing when they do things to hurt you. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But again, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. No, not what they do. And then we take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation, or could put it another way, um, putting in us the word of reconciliation. So part of what forgiveness looks like for God is not holding people accountable for their sin once they've forgiven them especially. So, When Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't looking to hold people accountable for what they've done. He was actually looking to get them released from what they could, from what they have done. And to what end? Simply to reconcile us to the Father, to reconcile you to the Father. When he went to the cross, he basically said, Father, forgive her, forgive him, for he doesn't know what he's doing or she doesn't know what she's doing. And he said that for each and every one of us when he was on that cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then it was like, don't even hold them accountable. In fact, put their account on mine. Because we also know in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He became sin who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So he took our sin and basically said, put their account on me. And then we read in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has it removed our transgression from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has it removed our transgression from us. And of course, we know that east never meets west, which means that 
once he's forgiven us our transgressions, that's it. He's not going to bring it up to us anymore. And let me throw this out at this point. When we say we forgive someone else, we no longer have a legal right to bring it up to them ever again. That gets to that forgive and forget thing that a lot of people say. Let's forgive and forget. And you do realize that when you do truly forgive and the healing process takes place, it will be as if it never took place. Spiritually, it will have taken place that way already. Once you release someone and forgive them, spiritually, it's a done deal. So as far as the East is from the West, it doesn't exist anymore. Now, it may not feel that way initially in our emotions. Sometimes our emotions have to catch up to our forgiveness. And so don't be confused by those moments when you might feel a little bit of pain or maybe a little bit of trauma because you still feel something. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven someone. But you at least in your heart have said, I release them from that, what they did. And at the same time, that does open up the door for healing because without forgiveness, there is no healing. Once you forgive, the Lord can go to work and heal your heart, heal your soul, heal your mind, and just bring it to a point where it feels like you're now dealing with it in the third person. So what do I mean by that? So it's like you know you knew an event took place, but now if you tell the story, it has no emotional connection to it or connectivity to it. It just simply means it's like you're reading a book talking about somebody else, even though you're one of the main characters. But at the same time, emotionally, it feels like it never happened, simply because you made the choice to let it go, because you made the choice to release them and forgive them. So that moves us into this next section. What does forgiveness look like for us? What does forgiveness look like for us? Ephesians 4, verse 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and tumult and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now we know that Jesus laid his life down out of love for the Father and for us. And for the sake of Jesus, God forgives us. The Father has forgiven us for his sake. And now we must come to that same place. For his sake, we need to forgive other people. And we know also, in, most in the Christian community also understand that if we will not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Jesus talks a lot about that in, in relation to what, how many times we should forgive someone and what happens if we don't forgive them. And we're not actually going to dive into that realm of forgiveness. Most already know this, but I'll just put it out there for those that might be new to this. And it is simply, Jesus said that if we won't forgive, our Father won't forgive. So it's really important that we forgive. But actually, as we mature in our walk and mature in our love, we find that we extend mercy to other people because they need the mercy. It's not so much about us gaining mercy, just as Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, mature, mature mercy is one that is extended to someone else without thinking about whether or not I'm going to get mercy. It just recognizes that someone else needs it. In a little bit, we're going to find that out, too, in relation to those that may have hurt you, that they need mercy, and for more reasons than one. 
In Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender feelings of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving yourselves. If anyone has a complaint against any, as Christ forgave you, so also you do. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. So, how can we set ourselves up for forgiveness? What do I mean by that? Sometimes we, if we were to step back and dis- make some decisions ahead of time, for example, I'm not going to be easily offended. I'm not going to hold forgiveness against anyone, regardless of what happens. In spite of any insult, in spite of any damage that someone may have caused me, I already purpose to not hold them accountable for it. I already purpose that I am going to forgive them in ahead of time. So here's some steps to forgiveness just to kind of set us up. So should an event ever take place that requires forgiveness, as it were, that we are going to be ahead of the game. And here's, here's one of them. And, we, and again, this is just taking it from these verses of Scripture that we just read. One is purpose to be kind. Purpose to be kind. Decide ahead of time that you're going to be kind to people. Secondly is be tenderhearted. In other words, determine in your heart that your heart is going to be soft. You're not going to become hard-hearted. Or your, your heart hard-hearted, rather, I'm sorry. You're not going to become hard-hearted. You're not going to become bitter. But you've decided ahead of time, I'm going to stay soft. And with that, I'm going to be humble because forgiveness does require humility. Without humility, forgiveness doesn't take place. And without humility, you won't ask for forgiveness either as far as that goes. And by the way, be sure. Now, this is important that if you know that you've offended someone else, ask for their forgiveness. And it's not, as some people would say, you know, so that we're released from the bitterness. And, you know, we've heard it taught by a number of people where it says, well, holding someone in unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. But it's more than that. Remember earlier I said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When we ask someone for forgiveness, we are asking them to release us. And we're asking them to release us for their benefit. One is so that they can extend mercy and receive the mercy of God. Now, good be that a number of people have already forgiven and it's a non-issue. But at the same time, we don't want to become a stumbling block for somebody else. We don't want to be the one that causes someone to become bitter because we fail to recognize that we hurt them. Or let me put it this way. Sometimes we don't recognize that we've hurt people. But if someone ever brings it up to us that, hey, what you did or what you said hurt me, that is a time to ask for forgiveness and really seek reconciliation with that individual. Make it right. Make it right. It's important for them. It's just as important for them as it is for you. It's not just whether or not you receive forgiveness when you forgive someone else, but it's making sure that you're, or in a sense rather, trying to help someone maintain that place of mercy where they are in a constant place of forgiveness. It really is, it's more about them than it is you. It's more about them walking the walk with Jesus versus us just feeling better about what took place. And yeah, it's true. When we ask someone to forgive us and they release us, there is a burden lifted. That is absolutely true. Well, what happens if they don't forgive me? Well, at that point, it's up to them. 
You know, if you were sincere and you asked for your forgiveness, you did your part. You know, just make sure you do what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do in relation to what took place. If there's something that you need to make right with them, you know, like say, I don't know, maybe you broke something. I mean, it's a simple example, but you broke something, fix it or replace it. You know, something like that. You know, you take it on whatever example you want to go with. But if there's something that you need to remedy and you know you need to take care of it, take care of it. But even still, when you're honest, sincere, doing your part as unto the Lord, and you know you know in your heart if you did it as unto the Lord and you did it the right way, if they fail to forgive you, that's no longer on you, that's on them. And in that case, that's a time to just simply pray for them. Don't try to manipulate them into forgiving you. Just simply release that. Just pray for them so that they can release you or anyone else because if they're holding you in unforgiveness, there's a good chance they're holding other people in unforgiveness as well. And that takes me to this next point from humility, meekness. So what is meekness? Meekness, as we know, is not weakness, right? It's restrained strength. It's strength under control. It's that point where we don't need to be right or demand our way in a situation. Meekness says, yeah, I have a right to, you know, make someone grovel or make them feel bad about what took place. But really, in our meekness, that's a point, too, where we can actually help someone else be restored. Again, what is the point of reconciliation? The point of reconciliation is not just to us, but is, is or forgiveness, rather. I'm sorry, I just gave it away, right? The point of forgiveness is reconciliation so that people can be reconciled unto God. So if we, as a Christian, as it were, say we're followers of Christ Jesus, and if we don't forgive, then there's a question mark right there about our Christianity, okay? And believe it or not, if we fail to forgive someone else, that actually could pose as a stumbling block for other people that might become aware of the situation, especially if you begin to uh, belittle someone or, you know, just attack them, let everybody know about it, you know, and so on. You know, that's not meekness. That's not strength under control. That's not humility. Humility is going to also say, I am not going to expose them publicly. I am not going to do that. Let me ask you this. Does God treat you the way you treat other people? When you've asked him to forgive you, did he forgive you? Did you expect to have to give an account? Did you expect other, uh, let me try this again. Do you expect other people to be groveling at your feet before you will forgive them? Do you want to see them suffer first? Or do you quietly let it go. And let them know that you let it go when they've asked you for forgiveness. Sometimes, here's, here's, another, here's another challenge. Someone can do us wrong, and maybe they're not even aware of it. And even if they were, let's say they never ask us forgiveness. What if we just simply forgave them anyway and never brought it up to them and never held them accountable for it? What would happen? What would happen if we decided that we were going to be in a constant state of forgiveness there would be also a better chance that there would be a state of peace. In fact, you would be walking in a place of peace when you walk in forgiveness. Because let's be honest, if you're holding a grudge against someone else, you are not at peace. And by the way, if you deal with health issues a lot of times, it may not be the environment. It may not be someone else's sickness. It may be 
that you're dealing with bitterness, and that's actually affecting your body. Unforgiveness is one of the most unhealthy things that we can have. It's more so, I would say, than the things in the atmosphere. Here's the next one, and this is probably one of the most important ones. Well, submit to Holy Spirit, right? Submit to Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit will empower you to do the things of God, That's which is the definition of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, which enables us to do the things of God that we cannot do in our own strength. And by submitting to the Holy Spirit, we are actually walking in all these things. We are walking in love. We are walking in peace. We are walking in joy. We are walking in that control. We are walking in that meekness. We are walking in all these things. And see, by leaning on Holy Spirit, He empowers you to give the love of Jesus, which is the love that Jesus gave us. Again, if you read in John 17, you see that the love that we have is the love that He gave is uh, the love that he has lives in us, which means we are capable of loving other people just as Jesus loved us. And part of that loving, again, goes to forgiveness. So submit to Holy Spirit. And of course, that leads us to the next part, which is love, walk in love, because love is really the bow on the whole package. Love is the thing that holds everything together. Faith works by love. Forgiveness is going to work by love. Everything it works by love, honestly. When you look in the kingdom, everything that God does, for example, for us is a byproduct of his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? John 3.16. So just as we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5.18 that he was in Christ Jesus reconciling, himself, reconciling us unto himself, not imputing our sins against us. That's what love does. It doesn't hold things against other people, and it walks in love. It seeks to love. In 1 Peter 4.8, it says, And above all, put on fervent love to yourselves, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And see, that's the beautiful thing. When you're walking in love, you're not self-centered. Let's get into this other part. Emotions and making forgiveness possible. Emotions and making forgiveness possible possible. We know that emotions can be the thing that holds people up, to say the least. That's why earlier it talked about, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and tumult be put away from us, right? We're, we are exhorted to put away anger. We're exhorted to put away wrath. But we know, too, that when we are hurt or deeply hurt, when we're traumatized, there is this emotional stuff that makes things so difficult to relinquish people or relinquish what's going on with other people. It's so difficult sometimes to be able to just say, you know what, I forgive you. It's hard. Let's be honest. It's hard. But there's a way through that. There really is. Again, just a little bit ago, I talked about God's grace which again, God is un, is, grace is God's unmerited favor that enables us to do the things of God that we cannot do in of ourselves. So in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And find grace to help in time of need. This is this thing in our walk that's very important, and that is honesty. Again, getting honest with ourselves and getting honest with God. You know, we can't say, you know, when confronted, you know, well, 
you still hold them in unforgiveness and you say, oh, no, no, I forgive them a long time ago when you know full well you haven't, right? Or you know deep down in your heart that even though you've said, I forgive someone, it's still there lingering it's because the pain is so deep, it's so difficult to let go. Well, this is where one of the ways that Hebrews 4 verse 16 can be applied. It's not the only way, but it's one way. And that is we come to the throne of grace and we just say, Father, I need your mercy. I need your help with this because I can't let it go. I can't forgive. I want to want to forgive. You know, sometimes we're not even to the place of I want to forgive. It's to the point of I want to want to want to want to forgive. But we know we have to. We're not, we're not told, you know, forgive if you feel like it. We're not told forgive if the pain's gone. We're just told to forgive. And just as we talked about a little while ago, there's a myriad of reasons to forgive. But now let's get to this point here. We just come to the Father. We come to God. We come to Jesus. We say, I am having a hard time with this. Please give me the strength to forgive. And he will give you the grace to relinquish, to let go of that control. He will give you the grace to bring your emotions under subjection to Holy Spirit. Because emotions are great, great servants, but they are terrible taskmasters. The moment you let your emotions run your life, you're in deep trouble. But if you allow your emotions to come subject to Holy Spirit, you're going to have a you're going to be in a place where the, your emotions actually become a tool for you, and that's that's a different lesson for a different time. So I won't I won't jump into the, that realm, but just know that your emotions are supposed to serve you. They're not supposed to make you their slave. But by the grace of God, He can enable you to bring your emotions subject to Holy Spirit. Because part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So as you submit to Holy Spirit, you can relinquish those things that are holding you back from forgiving other people. So come to the throne of grace, obtain mercy, to find help, in the time of need. So that's your time of need. Forgive. To forgive. Ask the Lord for the strength to do it. And he'll do it. He most definitely do it. And he'll bring you to that place. Again, as I said earlier, when you allow forgiveness to flow and love to flow, the next thing you know, these other areas of our emotions begin to heal. Sometimes quickly. Sometimes it takes a little while. But it does heal. And it does come to the point where an event is like reading it in a book from a third person. You know it took place, but emotionally, you're no longer attached to it. You're at a place like, oh, did that actually happen? And, you know, I don't get too anecdotal when it comes to teaching and that, but I can say that most affirmatively from my own personal experiences. I have found from in situations where I've been deeply hurt that when I took this approach and said, God, I just can't let this go. I'm having a hard time. He enabled me to release, to relinquish, to forgive. And now I can look back at circumstances. And I actually have to make an effort to look back, to be honest. You know, there's things that have taken place that I've forgotten about, you know, by and large. You know, if something comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I guess that happened. But emotionally, it's not there anymore. I'm not bound to my past anymore. And let me say this. If you hold people in unforgiveness, guess what? You're going to be bound to your past. You will never be in the present. 
and you're going to have definitely going to have a hard time with your future. So let's get into one more step, and that is empathy and forgiveness. Empathy and forgiveness. Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5. Judge not that you may not be judged. For whatever judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with whatever measure you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. And why, now, now listen to this part, this is important. And why do you look on the splinter that is in your brother's eye, but do not consider the beam that is in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull the splinter out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first cast the beam out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to cast the splinter out of your brother's eye. What does that have to do with empathy? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Again, part of this forgiveness thing is, you know, is obvious, and that is we've got to get in a place where we're not judging other people. But we might want to do this. We want, might want to pray for discernment. And here's what I mean by that. When we're deeply, when we're in a place, let me back up, when we're in a place where we've done someone wrong, and we're asking forgiveness, we really want mercy bad, right? But how are we when someone's done us wrong? Do Are we as inclined to give them mercy as the mercy that we want, right? But when we have done someone wrong, have you ever been in a place where it's like, man, I really didn't mean to do that. I really didn't mean for that person to get hurt. And then you step back and it's like, well, how did that happen? Why did it happen? Sometimes people do things to others out of a pain themselves. In other words, if you know someone that is constantly angry, constantly striking out at other people, and this is a simplified example of what I'm trying to say, you know that deep down there's some deep pain going on because hurt is used to both cover fear and pain. And it's just in that anger empowers them to feel power over the pain, over the hurt. You know, when someone's wounded, it's very difficult for them to navigate through life without anger sometimes. Anger is one of those things that people use, just as an example. And sometimes the things that people do is the result of what they learned growing up. Sometimes people learn what they do while they keep company with other people. There's a myriad of reasons why people do the things they do. Obviously, you know, we already know that sinners sin because they can't help themselves. And that gets back to what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When someone's ensnared to sin, they're in bondage to it. So they're going to do things that are stupid. And we know even as believers, we'll do some silly things ourselves. And that's even while we're empowered with Holy Spirit. See, remember, we are always wrestling with this flesh. As long as we're in this body, we're going to have some wrestling matches taking place. Generally speaking, though, it does get easier and easier and easier. The more submitted we are to Holy Spirit, the less that battle is for us. So again, this gets back to sitting back. Now, again, when you're looking at someone that has hurt you, you want to try to get behind the curtain, behind the action. It's so easy to focus on the behavior that took place. And forget that maybe there's something behind the behavior that has taken place. What do I mean by that? In other words, you know, we've seen it in children. Maybe this is a, an easy way to do it, an uh, easy way to explain this. We've seen with small children that 
if they feel, you know, inadequate or feel like they're not getting the attention they require, what happens? They act up. And we know that when people are in pain, sometimes they'll act up. They'll react in anger. They'll react in a number of ways. Or you might have someone, for example, that has this belief that no one loves them. No one wants to be around them. And so they're going to act in a way that confirms their theory or is going to validate their hypothesis about themselves. So they will actually, maybe not outright intentionally or consciously aware that they are pushing people back by behaving in ways that push them away. Subconsciously, they've got this narrative going on in their head that says no one wants to be around me. So they are going to do things that's going to cause other people to walk away. And this is what I mean. Sometimes empathy is really helpful when it comes to forgiveness. It's trying to understand what's going on with that other person. Why did they do what they did? Now, regardless of whether you have the understanding or not, still need to forgive. But then this actually helps us come to a place of mercy on another level. Simply, it's not just so we come to understand so we can forgive, but rather... We're coming to a point where we want to reach out to that person because they are hurting. That they only reacted to us in the way they did because they're in deep pain, for example. So in this particular case, we might step back and say, Lord, let me see what I need to see about this person so that I can minister to this person in a great way. And see, here's the thing. When you forgive someone, it actually opens up the door of reconciliation. It opens up a door for healing. You know, I mean, think about this one. I, there's a, a plaque that I've seen, or a sign rather, and it talked about, and I don't have the exact wording, but you get the point. I mean, this is what Christianity should look like, is when people are in heaven, and they see the Apostle Paul coming into heaven, and they start rejoicing, hooting and hollering, because this is the same guy that used to persecute Christians and bring them to their death. And yet now they are rejoicing because he's in heaven with them. And see, that's the thing with us, is shouldn't we rejoice if we can reach out to someone to reconcile them onto God or bring them into a new place in their walk with God? You know, maybe they, maybe they are a Christian, but maybe they are really struggling in their relationship with God because they are so disconnected emotionally, so disconnected mentally, that they need someone that can forgive them and see beyond the behavior and go to the heart. We've got to see behind, beyond, let me say that again, we need to see beyond the behavior and go to the heart. What is going on with this person? So again, what does forgiveness look like? Forgiveness looks like this. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, I relinquish them. I don't hold them accountable. Then we take it a step further. How can I help this person that needs forgiveness? That's what forgiveness looks like. It really, essentially, looks like love. Forgiveness looks like Jesus. Forgiveness looks like Jesus. That's all I have for now. So, the Lord bless you. And until the next time we meet, be blessed, my friend.